what do you do? Don't you just love that generic question? Are you prepared to answer it with any kind of interest? Hey, I'm going to give you a twist on a question you may want to ask other people. Do you love your work? Do you think it's possible? Well, you're about to find out. It's time for 48 Days to the Work You Love with Dan Miller on the 48 Days Online Radio Show. Whether you need a professional tune-up or a work overhaul, this is the program for you. Now, here's your host, Dan Miller. Well, welcome in. Welcome to February. One month of the new year already gone. Can you believe it? Seems like it's flying by. Well, I hope you're prepared to fire up February. Saw a note in the 48days.net community this morning as such. Alan Jackson put up a note for his group, Fired Up February. I thought, hey, that's a great theme for February. Well, one of our sponsors today is Casper Mattresses. I'll be telling you about how you can get $50 off your purchase and some other interesting tips about that. Stay tuned for that. Now, here's some of the things that I want to talk about today. You know, we hear this question, what do you do? I mean, it's kind of the first thing that we're asked when we meet somebody. Hi, I'm Dan. What do you do? And we're prepared. Ooh, I'm a dentist. I'm a school teacher. I'm an electrician. I'm a plumber. I'm a car mechanic. Well, there are probably better ways to answer that, to really stimulate conversation. It's just gotten to be kind of a cultural norm, though, to ask, what do you do? Got a twist on that that I want to share with you as our quotation here in just a second. Here's some of the questions that we're going to be dealing with. Dan, how did you sell 48 days to the work you love without a publisher? Dan, how do we homeschool if I'm not a good teacher? Can I really follow my passions and make a living? How about this one? Is there something where I could be involved with horticulture and plants, not have to work directly with people and still be able to make enough to support my family? Dan, how do I find a coach that lines up with what I'm looking for? And where do I find conferences to attend that are good investments for the money I've decided to spend this year? Hey, all great questions. Well, here's our quotation for the day. And it comes from my friend, Rabbi Daniel Lappin. Now, this is what he says when he sits down next to somebody on an airplane. He says, what problems do you solve for God's children? Isn't that a great lead in? Not just, what do you do? Oh, I'm a teacher. Okay, next. What do you think of this weather? What problems do you solve for God's children? And he goes on from there. And of course, he's such an intriguing conversationalist anyway, with his South African accent, a delightful gentleman to talk to under any circumstances. I want to give you a couple resources here. One is, um, we've got a new piece that we're really titling Marriage. But uh, it can, you can pick it up for a variety of reasons. But if you go to 48days.com slash marriage, you'll see a resource there that Joanne and I have created for how to deal with a negative spouse. Now, some of the points came from a podcast that we did probably a year or so ago. But we've we had so many questions about that, so much follow-up on that, that we created this PDF worksheet. How do you deal with a negative spouse? Now it doesn't have to be major, you know, and nothing flying through the room, but I know it's an issue that apparently touches a lot of you. So we've got that 48 days.com slash marriage. Okay. 
I also want to run through again the 10 characteristics of people who end up rich. Now, this comes from material that we did as part of a podcast, again, probably about a year ago, where you all told me, you know, how do people end up extremely successful? And I came up from that with 10 characteristics of people who end up rich, given to me by you, the 48 Days podcast listeners. Number one, expect success. Number two, create a clear plan. Number three, work hard. Number four, avoid debt. Number five, be teachable and a lifelong learner. Number six, exercise self-control, persistence, and delayed gratification. Number seven, accept personal responsibility. Number eight, keep good company. Number nine, be opportunity conscious. And number 10, enjoy the present, but plan for the future. I love those. I love those points that you all put together. I love how you've put together a list of the 10 characteristics and we can see those. If you don't have one of those, you can work on it. You can integrate it. You know, if you're um, not teachable, you can learn to be teachable. If you're not keeping good company, we talk about that a lot. Boy, that's a biggie. You can change that immediately. Keep good company. It'll change your level of success. Now, I do want to tell you about our friends at Casper.com, Casper Mattress. You know that's the mattress of choice in the Miller household. It's the one that guests buy for. We've got an event coming up, Coaching with Excellence, coming up this week as I'm recording this. And we're going to have every bed on the property taken, plus the couches, it sounds like. But uh, I know somebody's already called dibs on the the mattress, the bedroom, the Africa room, where we have the Casper mattress. It's just an amazing sleep experience. People recognize that. And I want you to enjoy it as well. If you go to casper.com slash sleep you love, that's where you'll see an introduction to the 48 Days listeners. Go there, check it out. If you're looking for a new mattress, you can get it delivered right to your door and you can get it 50% discount on the very reasonable prices and the free delivery, which is a big deal. Right to your door, go to casper.com slash sleep you love and use the promo code sleep you love. We talk about work you love. That ought to be easy to remember for you. All right, now I'm, I'm going to go right into the questions. Last week I had a little interview with Pat Flynn. Got behind on some of the questions you all have asked. I'm going to go right into those. Uh, here's one who wants to know how he sold the 48 days to the work you love in those early days. Listen to this. You mentioned that you didn't have a fancy publishing company in order to get your 48 days book published. How did you manage to get people to purchase the book? You know, there's a lot of people that ask that question and certainly reasonably. So how did I get the kind of traction that I did with 48 days to the work you love? Well, it wasn't, there are several reasons. It wasn't that I just sat down and wrote something and then, you know, put it up on the internet and hope people would find it there. No, I was already engaged with people, you know, working with them, coaching people. We were leading a Sunday school class that then turned into a Monday night seminar that we were doing where we would typically have 70 or 80 people show up. People were asking for materials. And so I put together that first very, very rudimentary form of 48 days, which was just in a three ring binder. Initially it had a little couple cassettes in there, just the lick and stick cassette wells had that in there. 
Then when we moved to CDs, we updated the cover a little bit, but continued to just have it like that. I had never talked to a publisher, never talked to a library or bookstore. I was just making it available for people as they ask for it. Now, in that process, Joanne and I went to a conference that was called Megabook University. It was put on by Mark Victor Hansen, co-author of Chicken Soup for the Soul. We went to that. Dave and Sharon Ramsey went with us. We were both just newbies just starting out in this information space. We sat there and listened to this guy and came back. And of course, you probably heard about Dave Ramsey. He's done pretty well. Um, I came back. I put into practice the things that Mark Victor Hansen had talked about in terms of selling information. And in the next two years, I sold over $2 million worth of that three ring binder. We were selling them for $39 a piece. Now, we were experimenting with online sales, making it available there, but primarily it was coming through a more personal connection. That was the growing number of people who were coming to my weekly seminar and talking about it, telling friends, and then also my friendship with Dave Ramsey back in those days when he was just starting on the radio. And we we were close friends that built our businesses together, had information that complemented each other. He would have people call, as he still does, who were struggling financially. And he was like, wow, you need to make more money. You know, it's going to be impossible to really get out of debt and build wealth when you're making $40,000 and have three kids and a stay-at-home wife. You know, you need to make more money. Get my buddy Dan Miller's material, 48 Days to the Work You Love. The growth of his radio, I mean, was a major factor in exploding the growth of 48 Days to the Work You Love. So there were some things that, that came together things that would be difficult to just duplicate exactly the same way. But I'm a big believer in relationships. The bottom line is build relationships. I mean, you hear me talk about things that other people are doing. There's a whole lot of us that are uh, doing similar things and we share ideas and resources and support each other. It's just like when people talk to me about, gee, I'm a coach, but I don't have any clients. I don't tell them to, You better refine your website, you know, spend the next three days just working on your website, you know, change the wording there, you know, do put up an ad on Facebook. Never. If you're not getting coaching clients, get out and meet more people. The same thing is true. If you've got a product to sell, if it's a book or whatever, get out and meet more people. Just got brand new copies given to me here. Gail Hyatt is, is here as I'm recording this for the art class that my wife Joanne does each week. And she brought me five new copies of Michael Hyatt's brand new book, Living Forward. Well, Michael is selling a fire out of those because he's nurtured relationships over the last 20 years. And now he can just open his hand with any new product that he has and it'll fly off the shelf because he's got a lot of relationships. That's really what it comes down to. It's not just a matter of having good content, as important as that is. Build relationships and it'll help explode your success no matter what it is that you're doing. Now, this comes from Cynthia, who says, Dan, I know this goes um, back to November, but I've been listening to your episode with Joanne about raising entrepreneurial kids over and over and over. It struck a chord in our home, and I have a few questions for you or maybe for Joanne. Our oldest entered kindergarten in the fall, and at the time we were on the fence between unschooling, homeschooling, or public school. In the end, we chose a local public school because of a language program offered there. As the year wears on, both my husband and I have been increasingly disappointed and even disgusted with the school, and we are both leaning more and more toward withdrawing our daughter come fall. 
The challenge comes here. My husband and my daughter are two peas in a pod. They get along amazingly well and can spend hours on end together without incident. She and I are very similar people and we really struggle with each other. I don't feel that our personalities lend each other to a teacher-student relationship. Anytime I try to show or teach her something, I'm met with resistance no matter how I approach the subject. I know my husband would be involved in our schooling process. However, he's a sole wage earner and very busy running his business, and I'm the full-time parent in our home, so the bulk of the responsibility would fall to me. So how do we proceed when a parent-child combination are not well-matched for the homeschooling environment, but the parents really feel that it's the best option? In addition to our mismatched personalities, we have a toddler and we'll have a newborn by fall, and I'm just not sure how to make it all work. Any tips you have to offer about how this worked in your home would be much appreciated. Thanks, Cynthia. Well, Cynthia, golly, I do identify with your story. When we homeschooled, we had two children. Our son, Kevin, was much older. Uh, We had waited a long time in between children, number one and number two. And with number one, we didn't know any options really existed. So we just forced him through traditional school and it pretty well ruined him for his interest in education. He saw it as a joke, just something to get through and out of the way because it was a necessary evil. Sad, but true. So we wanted to be more involved in the education of our two younger children, Jared and Ashley, and we did homeschool them. Joanne was terrified of not being a good teacher. She had no past interest in teaching. She couldn't imagine herself doing that, but we saw it as a better option for our children. But Joanne was blown away at how interesting she found it to learn along with the children and just gently guide them through the studies. A couple other things in that. This is not a matter of sitting a child in a seat and telling them not to move, you know, coloring the lines, don't move, don't say anything, don't speak out of turn, you know, for eight hours. It's so unlike school that it's just a natural part of living your life together. We found that if we spent one and a half or two hours a day and really focused study or presentation of material of any kind, we were going to be well ahead of what they were doing in the school system where so much time is spent, you know, just in disciplinary things and getting kids to lunch and taking breaks and going to the water fountain, you know, one and a half to two hours a day is really what we wanted in terms of instruction. Well, Joanne found that that was much easier than she had anticipated. The other thing though, in knowing that she also was challenged with uh, our children being so different in personality is we included them in a lot of group teaching that was going on. We found that it was really easy to access group classes. So if she wasn't comfortable teaching biology, we just found a class for the kids to go to where they could go maybe once or twice a week. So we plugged in with a lot of other things that were going on and made it a very fluid process. Cynthia, and believe me, if you want more information, you can contact my daughter, Ashley, who is an absolute genius in this area. She has three little girls. The education they're getting is amazing. Uh, she's very much wants to be the career person, struggles with just being a stay-at-home mom. So she's made that work and has done some interesting things. Again, you can, you, know, you can just shoot her a note if you want to. Ashley at 48days.com. Pick her brain on that. She'd be happy to share her insights. Anna says, I'm a degreed mechanical engineer, but haven't worked in that field for many years because I've been a stay-at-home mom to our three kids. My two older kids are no longer home, and my youngest is 14. I homeschooled her for 60 years. Then she started public high school last August, which essentially left me unemployed. 
I really struggled with what direction to take. Since parenting is what I've been doing for the last 23 years, I've recently started a blog to help parents of teens. I want to build an audience and offer products to help people with their parenting problems, but I'm having trouble figuring out what those products might be. I've even thought about doing a podcast. Can you give me some insight on how to proceed with this? I hope I'm going in the right direction. Thanks. I listen to your podcast every week. Well, thanks, Anna. And again, kind of a, one of these same kind of questions. You have been homeschooling. Your kids are now grown. Don't need you to be in that role anymore. What do you do? Well, you, you're really on the right track if this is something that interests you. I mean, don't feel like this is your only option, but if you do, in fact, want to share those principles, share with other parents, share about parenting teens, yeah, that's a reasonable focus. And with podcasting, blogging, doing seminars, workshops, webinars, doing live conferences, I mean, audio products, you can start to shape a complete model. That's that model where I use a Venn diagram, three circles that interlock together, where you, in, if you have three circles that overlap at some point, you have seven distinct areas. And if you design, what could I do in this area that would be something that I would enjoy and perhaps create a little bit of income? And then what's something else that I could do? And when you start to combine those things, when they're all connected, I mean, these are not just changing hats all the time, but when things are connected so that activity in any one area fuels the success and activity in the areas that it adjoins, you can create a model very quickly where it doesn't put a lot of pressure on any one area to produce significant income, but the combination can look pretty interesting. Uh, Joanna and I have a very busy year mapped out. Uh, we are going to be traveling a lot this year, it appears. And the reason we're able to do that without changing my income at all is because of all the systems I have in place for delivering content that I'm passionate about, but delivering it in ways that don't require me to be there personally. I mean, when you think about it, I mean, people listen to the podcast. I can pre-record these a month in advance if I want to. I don't normally do that, but I could. And and it looks like maybe I will do that for one month where we're going to be in England. But, you know, the podcast, blogs can go out. Those can be written in advance and just or, or written anywhere that I am anyway and just delivered. Um, the conferences that we'll be attending uh, will be part of our overall business and pleasure process of the products that we have here, the ongoing books workbooks, manuals, courses, online courses, the growth of the 48-day seminar. I mean, those things will continue even if I'm not here in Franklin, Tennessee personally. So look for ways that you can do that. Absolutely, you can create a model for doing that. Now, here's a question. This is an audio question. You know, the, the question here seems to be, and you see what you think when you hear this, seems to be, is it really realistic to think that I could follow things that I'm passionate about and still create a living from that. Check this out. On page 17 of your book, there's five questions that you're supposed to ask yourself regarding your career or job choice. And the fourth question says, what are the recurring themes that I find myself drawn to? And I'm wondering, what do you mean by recurrent themes? I tend to think of things that I like, like I like period pieces, I like the Victorian era stuff, but then that's personally drawn to as far as entertainment or things that make me intrigued or interested, anything that's historical. 
Or then there's a totally different area of life, which would be, I like fixing things and helping. And so I'm wondering, where, what area are you referring to when you say recurring themes that you're drawn to? All right. Great question, really. And it's a good starting point. A lot of times people dismiss those things that they are naturally drawn to think, well, you know, that's, that's fine, but I couldn't make a living doing that. So I need to do something that's practical and realistic. So if I'm interested in period furniture, vintage furniture, you know, well, that's fine, but you know, I can't make a living doing that. Well, I'm, I'm interested in, you know, history. I'm interested in landscaping and, and, but that's okay, you know, but I have to do something to make a living. Well, those are in fact great starting points. And the fact that you have multiple interests is fine. If you have, I, I encourage people to extend the list initially rather than reduce it. I don't want you to come in with just one idea. I want you to come in with 20 ideas where we can then balance those against what you know about yourself. What are your skills and abilities? What are your personality tendencies? What are those recurring values, dreams, and passions for you? From those, we create a filter by which to then measure those 20 ideas and then start to narrow down. So having a lot of ideas, you've mentioned three or four here, that's fine. Don't think that any of those are not realistic. If you're interested in period furniture, you know, could you, in fact, buy and sell? Find things on Craigslist, people don't know are valuable, reposition them, you know, sell them as vintage furniture, you know, have things set up at a, a flea market or a neighborhood market on Saturdays where you're doing that. Provide information for people in a written form about how to recognize vintage furniture. What are the classic lines that are going to identify what era it came from and how it might be valuable? I mean, th there's a lot of things you could take. Here's an example. In, let's see, in No More Mondays, I tell the story about Jim Hodges who was getting out of the military and he had been a teacher prior to going into the military, but he had a long military career. He was coming out. He knew that teaching had changed dramatically. Now to be in the school room, you better be a policeman rather than just an educator because of how things had changed. He was not looking forward to that, but knew that that was his background. And certainly that was what he was going to have to do is go back into education his wife asked him that fateful question that I love to have asked when they were out to dinner one evening. She said, Jim, if money were no object, what would you do? And he said, I'd sit around the house all day and read old history books. Well, guess what Jim does today? Now, it took a little bit of strategy and thinking, but he does, in fact, sit around the house and read old history books. Now, in doing so, he creates audio products. He brings old history stories to life. And those then are recorded and he sells them primarily to homeschooling families. So he and his wife travel around. They go to about 10 different homeschooling conferences every year. He makes well in excess of six figures, over $100,000, selling his little programs to homeschoolers. And he spends his creation time reading history that he absolutely loves. Now, that's something that's really, you would never think there's a way to make, you know, how are you going to sit around the house and read old history books and make money? Well, it's just a matter of how could you put legs on that, create an idea, come up with a plan, execute it. You'd be surprised the unique things that you can, in fact, turn into reasonable income and a way to make a living. Yes, start with your passions. Don't 
don't let anybody deter you from that telling you that's not unreal. That's not realistic. It is realistic. It's the only way to fully engage yourself in the work that you do. If you find work that you're doing that where you're not passionate about it, you're going to be working at half capacity. You're not going to be releasing the very best that God has put in you. So yes, start with your passions, then get creative about how you can put legs on that. This question, now this, this is a very long question. I'm going to have to shorten this because it's pages, but a gentleman who prefers that his name is not shared. Um, he's read 48 Days to the Work You Love, No More Dreaded Mondays, Wisdom Meets Passion. He's got the personality profile. He listens to my podcast every week, listens to Pat Flynn on a regular basis. He's got a degree in landscape architecture, has been working in that profession. Now, here's the deal to kind of shorten the whole thing. He wants a position. He's not thrilled about the position that he has. Doesn't feel like he's really got his hands connected to the plants enough. It's more in a theoretical, conceptual building, planning kind of position. He'd really love to be out of the spotlight. What he would really like to do, let's see, let me drop down here. Where is his question? I really have to dig. I thought I was starting a blog, a much better communicator. Apparently, I don't have much time. He says, what he'd really like to do is have a position where he works directly with plants or horticulture, does not have to work directly with people and still make enough money to support his family. Again, is that unreasonable? No, it's not. But you have to get creative about shaping what that's going to look like. How could you work with plants, not be directly involved with people, and still make significant income. Now, if you look for a J-O-B, it may be difficult to bring those three things together. So you may have to consider the full spectrum of work opportunities that are out there. So when we get out of the traditional job, when we go into things like you know consulting or having a franchise or having a business where you buy and sell plants or you provide advice or you do once a month seminars, on that material or you grow things in Selma. I had a gentleman last year who was, he, he had a green thumb and his primary plant that he grew was monkey grass, Leroy monkey grass. Well, he was really good at that. His father-in-law had some acreage, had some land that wasn't being used. It's just decorative really for pleasure. So he took a couple acres of that and he grows that on a big, big basis. He's really good at it. has a lot of varieties, sells it and is doing extremely well. So, you know, you may have to be, take more initiative at creating the work that you love in this case, rather than finding a job that integrates those things. Not unrealistic, but you've got to be creative about figuring out how that's going to work for you. Well, just a reminder here, these are real life questions that I love unpacking together with you every week. A lot of you are involved in 48days.net the free site we've got for people who are sharing ideas and resources um, and you can ask a lot of questions there you can tap into the brain trust that we've got there of over 15,000 people now ask questions there but if you want to have a shot at having me uh, share it here on the podcast i'd love to review that you can go to 48days.com click on ask dan and submit it there or just shoot an email to me directly at askdan at 48days.com Brian says, Dan, you mentioned on a podcast last month that you were working on recommending some designers for coaches who want to build a website. 
Did I miss it or is that still something for down the road? Well, Brian, you're right on track. And, and I had, I had, I think six or seven people who sent me proposals about what that would look like. I have a gentleman coming to coaching with excellence this week. His name is Nathan West. His website is Solario solutions. He attended coaching with excellence last year, came with his dad, but found his niche in building sites, doing web development. He is currently building a site for my wife, Joanne. It's beautiful. He's done it as a prototype to show what he can do for coaches. We're going to be offering that at Coaching with Excellence. And then I'll be sharing that as well. Uh, Give me another week and we'll have examples up that we can actually direct people to. These are going to be very inexpensive websites. I'm talking like $397, $497, $797, depending on what you want on there. But very quick, simple websites to get you up and running. It grew out of my frustration, as you probably recall, of having coaches that were spending six months working on a website before they ever got out and engaged with somebody in a coaching situation. That's not what I want to do. Building a website is not the business of coaching. It's just like a calling card. I mean, we have coaches that are very successful who haven't had time to even build a website yet, but it is as you move into wanting to present yourself in a professional way. Sure. It's something that you want. It's interesting. My wife, Joanne, you know, has been around the 48 days things, of course, for years and years. She has her own artwork, her own books. She's talked periodically about having a website, but it's just not really been a big deal. But I decided in this situation to have Nathan West build one for her just so we could use it as a clear prototype. And frankly, you know, I I think you probably can. I haven't even checked it out yet, but I think you can probably go to joannefmeller.com and see the site. I'm sure that by the time you're hearing this, that site will be up. So you can check it out and see an example of the work that he's doing. And he's going to be the one that we're going to be recommending for coaches. Kyle, Kyle has a note about uh, tipping. It's one of those recurring themes I talked about six months ago or so. Talked about, you know, should we do away with tipping? There are restaurants that are doing away with tipping where they just build in a higher guaranteed pay for their employees, but doing away with tipping. Well, we've had a whole lot of comments, you know, pro and con on that. Kyle says, I guess it depends on how they raise the compensation for the employees. I always wondered why restaurants were the only industry in which the customer subsidizes the employees pay and the owners seem to reap the benefits. In almost no other area is the customer expected to pay the employee for the work they do. Now that's kind of interesting that Kyle frames it as such because every industry, the customers pay the employees. I mean, just because the paycheck comes from the company owners, Uh, The money still comes from the employees. There's a direct connection there. And to think that the customer's review of their sense of being taken care of well, it is not directly connected to, you know, the, the employees and their connection with the customers. You know, that's, that's not true. But um, Kyle says if the restaurants would pay an average wage, the customer could tip based on what they thought was exemplary service. I think service would be better good employees would make more money. I always try to work above and beyond in many other industries. No one's ever offered to tip me or volunteer to pay part of my salary. Well, you know, that's interesting uh, because tipping is not something that's confined just to waitress and waiters, your restaurant staff. I mean, there's a whole lot of areas out here that are open for tipping. I mean, if we have a, a plumber come, 
and he comes on a Saturday morning to get us out of a bind because we got people coming on Sunday for an art class or for a worship service. You know, he'll give me the company bill, but believe me, uh, they are very appreciative of a tip that goes outside of that. So even in things where you have kind of set fees and standards, you know, somebody comes to mow your yard, you're going to get a bill from the company at the end of the month. Geez, I often tip those guys who do that kind of work for us. I mean, we, we tip in a lot of situations. You'll, or you'll realize if you're used to doing that, that it really fosters great relationships and certainly better service. And there is a connection. And if nobody's ever tipped you directly, then I almost have to wonder, I don't know what kind of work you do, but are you doing work that is so outstanding that people feel the urge to do that? And our massage therapist has a regular fee. We write our checks for that. Golly, it's not uncommon at all. We give her a little extra tip or we send her a gift or send her a gift card you know, for her and her husband to go to out to dinner. I mean, those are tips beyond what we're paying her as an agreed upon professional service fee. Hunter says, I've been on a quest over the past year or so to find a career that matches my passion. I have also had to explore what my passion is, but I think I finally have hit on something. I want to get your input though. Have you heard of anyone who did goal coaching? I find the idea of helping people one-on-one reach their goals. Very exciting. I've always set goals and could start a blog about goal setting and share my progress with my own goals. I'm self-employed. I'm 29 years old. I've been very successful with my current business. Want to move on to something more fulfilling that didn't take 70 hours a week to make a good income. Yeah, I think that's perfectly fine. I mean, we, we talk to people who have every possible area you can think of for coaching. If it's gardening or parenting or diabetes coaching, health and fitness, life coaching, career and all that. And certainly goal coaching, I mean, is a part of that for everybody. So it, it kind of overlaps any area of expertise that you would be helping people move toward a higher level of success. But if you want to call it goal coaching and have a specific plan or process that you want to use, sure, there's a place for that. We've got a guy who has been here multiple times now. His name is Dallas Demet, and he is a listening coach. He gets paid very, very well to help companies learn how to listen better. He's a listening coach. Isn't that a cool kind of focus and specialty? I really love that. Kevin says, then I have a unique request for you. I have my second 48 days seminar preview coming up on March 2nd. I've contacted a very popular Christian radio station here in town, uh, the joy FM. And he is in, let's see, Sarasota, Florida. I'm waiting to hear back about the cost of running on ad on air ads for my upcoming 48 days seminar. Getting noticed is important. So I had a window wrap, put on my back SUV window for the 48 days seminar. God, that's cool. I'd like to see that. Kevin, you have to shoot me a shot of that. I've done one preview meeting, but so far the results were underwhelming as in nobody signed up or showed up. (laughs) Now about the request, I was wondering if you would be willing to record a spot for me to use on the radio. I don't have any idea of the length needed, but wanted to ask you ahead of time. I can get back to you after I find out more details. Sure, I'd be willing to record a spot for you. If, if you are one of our facilitators and you're going to be doing a program and you want a radio spot, absolutely. No problem at all having me do that. 
I'm very familiar with doing radio spots. If we do a 30 second spot, which would be pretty typical, it's 90 words. I can do 90, 90 words in 30 seconds, 180 will create a, a one minute spot and we can craft those, put them together in a heartbeat. However, let, let me add this in as well. The best success that you're going to get in filling the seats for 48 days to the work you love will come from personal connection, not through advertising, even running ads on a Christian radio station. Now, if you, you know, don't invest a whole lot of money doing that. If you can get some kind of a deal there uh, to support it, kind of build a brand, that's fine, but don't expect that to put seats in the chairs for you. I mean, think about the programs out there. If it's Stephen Covey's program, on time management or a Tony Robbins program, or if it's Dale Carnegie on great relationships, you know, their human relations course, you don't see those promoted. You don't see ads being run. You don't see hear ads on, on the radio. Those are done with personal contact. You'll have somebody come into a business, do a brief demonstration, talk to people personally to get them signed up for the Dale Carnegie program. I've worked with them for years. I know exactly how it's done and that is how it's done personal connection. When, when I was you know, doing the, uh, well, to build the seminars, I initially was teaching a Sunday school class. It was a very popular class, drew a lot of people. They then were the ones that came into the 48 days seminar in the early years, but it's always been through personal connection that I've filled those seats. But if you want me to do radio spots for you, no problem at all. Shoot me a note at askdan at 48days.com. I can knock those out. Be happy to do that if you're already a committed 48-day seminar facilitator. And incidentally, if you want to be part of that group, we've got a growing group of people. Uh, Dr. Terry Hathaway is doing a great job of leading people through the training, getting materials out there that you can use. We've got a lot of posters, banners, things that you can use if you're putting it up around town in your chamber of commerce or your church or whatever to let people know. We'll help you with all that. And if you want to be one of those 1,000 business partners, and we say business partners because we want you to see this as a business, an opportunity for making significant income, we'll help you walk right through the process on how to do that. But you can get all that information. Just go to 48days.com slash acres, A-C-R-E-S. That's the first way to get in there. We'll give you some information there. This comes from Dr. Harold Arnold. Says, Dan, you've been a huge influence on my path. I'm attending Coaching with Excellence this week. I'm a graduate trained in M MFT, let's see, marriage family therapist, I assume, and psychologist. I've written marriage books, Marriage Rocks for Christian Couples, another in press with CLC Publishing to come out in the fall. But my self-published book, Second Shift, How to Grow Your Part-Time Passion to Full-Time Influence, launches March 1st. I'd like to use that to launch into the coaching space. Not sure if you have any capacity to do so, but I'd love if you're able to advise me on how to leverage this book for coaching. I'm glad to forward it to you before I arrive, if that would help the process. Also, it would be amazing if you would consider me videotaping you with it to put on my website. I'll have a proof hard copy with me. Well, absolutely, Harold. Bring that baby with you when you come to Coach with Excellence. Uh, we'll have fun with it, and we'll certainly go through a process of showing you how you can use a book like that to leverage, to position you for coaching, and then to leverage you right into that. It's going to be a great tie-in with the kind of things that we're doing. You know, when I talk about other people here, I talk about other people's products a lot. And recently, I've had a couple people on where I've interviewed them. 
Now, these are not just, you know, slouches. These are people who are pretty high profile people in our industry. Those being John Lee Dumas from Entrepreneur on Fire and Pat Flynn from Smart Passive Income. I mean, these guys both make millions in this information space. I had both of them on. John Lee Dumas on to promote his Freedom Journal, this planning process that he's done right here at the first of the year. Pat Flynn's got a brand new book out called Will It Fly? And last week I had a little segment that I did with Pat, with a Pat Flynn on that. Well, this is really interesting. And I want to be real open with you, the listeners, because last year I had two people on in the entire year. Okay, now we're talking the previous year. So in 2014, I had two people on in the entire year. Those being Andy Andrews, New York Times bestselling author, amazing guy, has has spoken in front of four presidents, you know, that kind of thing. And then Rabbi Daniel Lappin, who is America's rabbi, great guy, wrote the book, Thou Shall Prosper. I had those two guys on both times I got pushback from my audience saying, eh, don't have interviews on. You know, we just want to hear you answer questions from people. Now, a lot of podcasts are set up where all they do is just interview people. As you know, that's not our format here. I don't have any plans to change it. But a couple of times recently, I've had short interviews with people who have been on. This is the kind of feedback that I get. Let me have you listen to just one of many responses that I got. Hey, Dan, it's Patricia here. I just listened to this week's podcast with the interview with Pat Flynn. And I was wondering if this was going to be the future format of the program Meaning, will interviews with guests be consuming a good part of the allotted time each week? Although that was interesting, you know, we all have thousands of podcasts vying for our attention. And I specifically tune into yours to get your unique superpower perspective and hear your answers to the questions submitted by your listeners. And there were only a couple of them this week. I'm one of the 48 Days Seminar Facilitator Partners, and I really believe in the 48 Days concept. And so even if you continue with the interviews, maybe they could just be a little bit shorter so we can allow for more specific 48 days questions and answers. Thank you. And I'll keep listening no matter what. (laughs) So I've been duly reprimanded once again, and I do take that seriously. I mean, I want to listen. And that is so consistent in terms of the feedback that I get. I mean, that's, All the feedback that I get is, please don't do that. You know, when you have somebody on as an interview guest, we decide in the first two minutes if it's something that interests us, we can turn it on or turn it off. When you answer questions, we never know what's coming next. You keep us engaged all the way to the end. That's the essence of the feedback that I get. I'm going to honor that. I do have a couple other people lined up uh, for short interviews. I'm going to be talking to Deanne Turner, who has the new book out, It's My Pleasure. She's vice president of talent for Chick-fil-A has been there for over 30 years and it's my pleasure is their signature kind of phrase. I've been intrigued by that since the day I heard it the first time because it stands out so starkly in the world of fast food where most people say, Hey dude, no problem, but not at Chick-fil-A. They say it's my pleasure. So I am going to have her on. I'll try to keep it brief and I will do that. I'll keep those interviews brief if we have them. But I I love to bring you outside experts as well and content. And there's a whole lot of people out there who I think can add value to what we're doing as well. But uh, your your reprimands are heard and will be taken to heart. Sean says, I've decided this is a year for taking my growth to a higher level. For the past couple of years, I've read more books than I did the previous 50 years of my life. I also listen to good podcasts daily and sometime for hours. 
I've decided to invest more in my personal development by attending conferences and perhaps hiring a coach. Two questions I know you can help me with. How do I find a coach that lines up with what I'm looking for, mostly life coach? And where do I find conferences to attend that are good investments for the money I've decided to spend this year? Thanks for your weekly encouragement. One day if coaching is in my future, I'll look forward to seeing you at the sanctuary. Great questions. Yeah, how do you find a coach? I mean, this is like finding a dentist or a physician or an accountant or a plumber or a landscaper. You know, interview three or four. And I encourage you to do that in coaches. You don't have to just be wild and feel like you're obligated to the first person you talk to. I mean, if you go to, let me think about it here. If you go to 48 days, I'm not sure exactly where we've got these, but we've got a list of all of our certified coaches and we have probably 30 or 40. You can scan through those coaches. You can contact anybody that you want to. The process that we use here really typically is that people fill out a brief questionnaire. If you go to 48days.com and just click on coaching, you'll see that. Just a brief questionnaire, you fill that out. My daughter Ashley screens that with, along with a couple other people, and they make suggestions about two or three coaches that would be a good potential match. You can talk to all of them. You can reject all of them and say, nope, I'm not interested in any of those. I want some more, you know, more recommendations. And of course, I look at those too, and if there's somebody that they consider they think would be a perfect match for me, I mean, they, they alert me to that as well. But don't feel bad about interviewing a coach, asking them hard questions, ask for testimonials, ask what kind of success they've had, ask what kind of training they've had. Those are all reasonable kind of things that you can do to, to find a coach. Now, what about conferences? Incidentally, I love your idea about you're going to invest more in personal development by attending conferences and hiring a coach. Love, love, love that. You know, when I see people who are really at the top of the game, who are growing and achieving and just multiplying their success, they're investing at least five to 10% of their total income in personal development. Now, a lot of people say, oh, gee, I can't afford that. You know, they can't afford a $20 book. And of course, they've got, you know, cable TV and, you know, go out to eat six times a week and bubble. No, they've just decided it's not important enough. But it's imp- if it's important enough, 5% of your income, wow, what a great way to start es- escalating and exploding your own success. How do you find conferences to attend? It would be good investments. Wow. There's so many going on. I mean, it's this constant struggle for me to decide what I'm going to. I mean, this year I'll be going to launch. Of course, we have our own. We have 11 conferences here at the Sanctuary. Innovate. Check that out. That's coming up in May. Coaching with Excellence. Of course, our premier event. Totally sold out this time. But we got openings in May. And uh, once more in the year, I'm not sure when it is. So we've got 11 conferences here. Then I'll be going to launch in Orlando, Florida with my friend Ken Davis. We'll be doing uh, Innovate here in May. I'll be speaking at Social Media Marketing World in San Diego in April. I'm going to be at New Media Europe in June in London. More information for that coming up shortly. I'll be attending Tribewriters Conference here in the fall. It's Jeff Goins Conference here. And there's several others, but I've got my schedule really mapped out in full. I wish, and this has been tried a couple times where people have tried to 
come up with the overall listing of conferences and it's just never worked well. I don't really understand why it's just never really worked that well to have a general listing of all the conferences coming up. I think it's doable, but, um, keep listening. If you're listening to people who are in this space, so if you're listening to Dave Ramsey and Entree Leadership Podcast and Pat Flynn and John Lee Dumas and Cliff Ravenscraft and Ray Edwards and all these people that we talk about, you're going to hear about a lot of conferences. That's really the best way to keep on top of what's available. There's a lot of choices out there. Ultimately, you're just going to have to make the decision about what fits or what it is you want to accomplish. I have people ask me, I mean, my daughter asked me about going to social media marketing world. I said, why would you want to go? What would you want to accomplish? How will this help you? And how will this help you in your role and what you're doing for 48 days? But I ask the hard questions. Don't just waste your time, but decide, oh, podcast movement. That's another one. I'll be speaking at that podcast movement in Chicago in July. If you're interested in podcasting, don't miss that one. Be there. So identify what it is you want to do and then identify those conferences that line up. Hey, fun stuff as always. Remember our quotation for today from my friend Rabbi Daniel Lappin? You ask this to somebody today. Instead of just saying, what do you do when you meet somebody new or in an elevator, say, what problems do you solve for God's children? Boy, that'll get them thinking. That'll really initiate an interesting conversation. Our resource today I mentioned, how to deal with a negative spouse. We've got a worksheet for you there. You can get some suggestions about how to make things work better. Go to 48days.com slash marriage. Lots of other resources as well. Let us know what we can do to help you. Keep those questions coming in to askdan at 48days.com. And I'll talk to you next week. Hope you're having a, I hope you're fired up for February. That's our theme, fired up February. Thanks for being part of this amazing group where we are in fact finding or creating work that is meaningful, purposeful, and profitable. It's gonna take your whole heart. It's gonna take all you've got to make the future you